Welcome to Soul Practice, a podcast featuring raw conversations about our crazy world and real practices that keep us grounded deep in our souls. Soul Practice, Raw Conversations, Real Practices is hosted by Kathy Escobar and Phyllis Mathis. Welcome back to Soul Practice, uh, Raw Conversations and Real Practices. I'm Kathy Escobar. I'm Phyllis Mathis. And it's fun. We're on season two. Season two. I know. And your time went really fast in the fall. That was kind of wild. We did 12 episodes and it felt like a snap. Yep. And then the reality of coming back today, a lot has happened in the world and in our lives personally just in the time when, from our last episode to now. Yeah. And I was just thinking just now, the title of this episode is We Don't Know Shit. (laughs) And then I thought, who says that? Like, what podcaster in the world will open up and say, hey, I hope you listen to us for 30 minutes because we don't know shit. (laughs) And you know what? We don't know shit. And we don't. But I think, you know what, that's kind of the point of the whole thing is to just say out loud Everybody wants to know what's going on. So right now it's mid-January when we're doing this and we are in the biggest spike of COVID. The Omicron variant is just sweeping through all kinds of stuff. I must have spent, I don't know, a whole hour or two all week with people who were sick or family members were sick or they were worried about the virus or they didn't know how to send their kids to school or they were getting mixed messages from everybody if they couldn't find a test or they're worried about the the hospital and um, the one theme that went through all my conversations about this not just with my clients but with my family and with everybody that I know and on social media is why don't we know everything why don't we know anything they're not giving us straight answers we don't really why are they doing this why are they doing that as if anybody knows anything. (laughs) Like there are some people who know some things, but we have this kind of sense of entitlement about, we need to know all of the things. That's how we feel safe. Yeah. And, And it's true, we need to know a lot of things, but we don't know how to act when no one knows anything. (laughs) We don't, and we keep running to people to tell us, you know. So um, I've said this before, when we, when you did that whole uh, series at the refuge about the COVID-19 phenomenon and where we found ourselves early on in the process, I just, I just was like, why are you asking me? Like, I know nothing. Oh and yeah. Mental health Monday. Mental health Mondays. Mental health Monday. And it wasn't that you shouldn't have done it. It was just that this expectation that there are people who who have the answer or people who have the things and that we, we have inside us already a way to cope with something of this magnitude. And maybe we do, maybe we don't is kind of not the point. It's, it's more like it illuminated for me, the need we have, you know, the demand we have to know all the things so that a, we can feel secure and B, we can predict our lives. Mm-hmm. And so um, I want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, we need to talk about it because it's a really central, central thing. And a few other really big events happen. We're, we're in Colorado um, oh and 
So we have the worst wildfire in Colorado history that happened on December 30th, the end of already a shitty year Yeah, where, you know, things really didn't bump out of uh, COVID, as you mentioned, they actually got way worse and uh, way more disorienting in so many ways when we think if you do certain things, you get an outcome. Yeah. And then on top of it, my mother-in-law had multiple strokes and was the entire month of December, she, she, um, first December 2nd. So the entire month of December, we were completely immersed in this reality and she left this earth on um, January 5th. So like, that's a lot. That's a lot. And, you know, so as, as like the timing, the reality, you know, that feeling, and I think a lot of us feel this way. We're like, we can't do one more thing. Yeah. Like, please, can you not add one more thing? And so many people I know, I do have aging parents, do have really significant health issues, do have relationship woes, do have, you know, bur- potential burnout because of the last few years and what's happened, huge faith, faith deconstruction, trying to change their location. I mean, there's so many things that people are navigating. And I think this, I can't do one more thing is um true and real that the feeling but the reality is we are going to do one more thing yeah we keep doing we keep doing one more thing and the knowing part is gets in the way when we want to know how it all fits in and what it all means. And, you know, I need that. I need the plan and I need to know, yes, we're going to, you know, my danger zone is always, we're going to turn the corner on this. You know, I use that language a lot. Just, just got to, you know, work hard a little harder and we're going to turn the corner. And that honestly has kept me in some really unhealthy relationships for too long. Uh Um, And it has um, been a setup. Yeah. It's all a setup. The knowing thing is a setup. Yeah. The need to know, and that um, actually a lot of people saying that we could know mm-hmm. ultimately is really a bad setup. Yeah. Well, in my work, I'm primarily a, a cognitive therapist, so not not a traditional cognitive behavioral therapist, but a mindfulness based cognitive therapist. That's what I do. Which means I have spent the better part of my career thinking about thinking, like how we think. <laughs> and and why we think certain things and how we create meaning and how we like construct our lives out of our thoughts which is what we're supposed to do most of the time but um very seldom do we have the opportunity unless you practice really hard to step out of our our regular ways of thinking about things um to observe how we think about things Mm. and what are our regular ways of thinking about things. And when you were talking, I was just thinking, and I had been thinking about this on the way over. Um, We have these in our business, we call them constructs. They could be called like um, mindsets, just different categories of story and framework for the things that we're thinking about and we're doing. And, um, so when you're talking about turning the corner, we're just going to turn the corner on this. We're going to we're going to get through this together. This is, you know, we can get back to normal, those kinds of things. All that 
those it's okay in regular times because when our lives get interrupted, yeah, we just want to get them back to normal, back to the way that they've always been. But I have a feeling in this time that these unprecedented events are just going to fucking keep happening. Yeah. And we can't keep trying to go back to normal. So normal is a construct and what we feel like is normal is a construct. Well, it makes me think too. I just want to add a lot of this is white privilege. Oh, of course. Christian, American, you know, like a Western thinking too. Like that is, that's like this big construct that we are evaluating everything through. Yeah. We're just, it's baked in. It's we're in the water of all of that. And, and I just want to name a couple of things that we assume if we are in white privilege, in economic privilege, in Christian privilege and whatever. And it's that there's a certain amount of entitlement, like Mm. life needs to go a certain way and we need to not suffer certain things and things should not be happening that are out of our life plan. (laughs) (laughs) This is how we're taught to think. And it's not just racially. It's sort of like, that's what we got from our European history. Um, And so we're, we're always have that at some sort of unconscious basis that and and every distress that we have is based on it being out of line. Yeah. And so then we get discombobulated, we get anxious, we get angry, we get frantic, we get blamey, um, all kinds of things that we suffer is because we have an assumption that things are not as they should be. Mm. And you're not wrong. <laughs> you know, there's some reasonable things about how, how we're wired. Like we're wired to live, not to die. Right. Everything in us wants to just keep living and live well and be healthy. We're wired that way. You know, all of our systems are, but you know, we don't always get to, we don't always get that. And so um, it helps to figure out what are the assumptions I'm I'm living from that make me so distressed. Hmm. Um, I've been pretty distressed since November 8th, 2016. And I felt so completely disturbed when Trump won the election because I could feel like I knew this is not going to be good for us. It's not going to be good for any of us. And it ignited all of my, you know, things inside me as it did so many people. So I kept stumbling around going, I need, I need a way to be okay. I don't know how to be okay. Like, I don't know how to like accept this and not be either outraged or afraid every single day of my life. I didn't know how to do that, especially since my life wasn't threatened, but those things were in the, were in the atmosphere. And I was paying attention to my own um, equi- uh, equilibrium, which was Got disturbed right. at a really deep level. Can I say one quick oh, please aside do. on yeah. that? It's so weird because I literally I told Jose this last night is that I got a, a well, one is there was an article about um, Donald Trump's podcast or something interview with NPR. Yeah. And I, I literally started to read the transcript and I felt in my body, I can't do this. I did this for a long time and I literally can't hear the nonsense and what the hell and people listening and following and like it was total gobbledygook 
And then the second thing is they texted me, Donald Trump Jr.'s uh, somehow some the campaign or something texted me in my text. And I wrote, stop and do not ever, I'll show it to you, it's all in caps, do not ever text me ever again. And Jose said, I don't think you're supposed to respond like with words. I go, I don't care. Do not ever text me again. Anyway, that's my aside. <laughs> That's so great. I mean, you just can feel it in your body, you know. Um, so, so yeah. But the the end of this year here in Colorado, with I, I mean, I knew your mother in law was dying. I I knew that. Well, the day of the fires, we had 114 mile an hour wind gusts. Yeah. My house was moaning. We were having interruptions mm. in power. I didn't, I wasn't even paying attention to the news. It was like, we are going to get blown away here. And then went through the whole day, interrupting Zoom, losing power, a bunch of stuff we were trying to work. And then we sit down after dinner to turn on the TV and there's nothing but fire, 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 fire. For the next four hours, we're watching, in, you know, images of fire. And it, something kicked in that, plus watching that film, Don't Look Up. Oh, yes. And the reality of, of things um, just hit me that this is how it's going to be. Like, we're not in the clear. Mm -hmm. We are in unprecedented times. Mm -hmm. And so that's a lot to say about back to our, our idea of constructs and we don't know anything. We need to learn the skill of not knowing and still being okay. Yeah. It really makes me think of my kid. It makes me think of Jared because he had a tattoo that said, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I believe it's, um, you know, there's all, all kinds of attributions, but I think it was Plato um, that <clears throat> said, I know more than you because I know that I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and so he loved that. I mean, he was really into philosophy and, um, those, that deeper truth is really a gift and so hard because we want to know. And, you know, people ask us this related to his suicide, you know, like, did you know, did you have signed? You know, everyone wants to piece something together and we do too. And we do the dance. And if Jose actually got that tattoo, it's exactly what Jared has like the same tattoo artist, the same font and exactly what it looks like. And that tattoo is a gift to us because literally physically we go round and round, you know, we're two, two plus years out now, but we still do, but we used to do it like literally almost every hour wow. all the way around all the things. And yeah. then we literally would imagine looking at that tattoo and say, I don't know. We can try all we want to try and come up with all the ins and outs and why and what, what if, what ifs and all those things. But the truth is we truly do not know. Yeah. And when I apply this to the fires, for example, because this is what, you know, we're really close to it. And I'm actually, uh, I'm, I'm in the thick of this. I don't even know if I've talked to you about this because I am um, on the disaster team for Broomfield and I'm the emotional spiritual care coordinator. And I haven't really had to do that much in the last four years because COVID, you couldn't meet with people. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was different. And, um, but we are fully activated at the new donation and resource center for um, fire relief people. And so it's been like, 
it's been a lot, but fortunately we have an amazing network and people are going to start staffing it um, starting tomorrow. But I will say this, it's really confusing when one house burns and then the next doesn't. Uh-huh. And so I have, you know, a friend who lost at her house. It's just gone. A lot of her neighborhood did also, but then there's also a different friend I have where there's a standing and like really, really close to them. They're not, they're gone and living with that. Like, and you cannot make sense of that. No, it's impossible. Yeah. There's no little dance you can do um, to figure it out. You can try, you can like circle and think of all the things and then land on a tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But what I, uh, I will say over and over again, that it is an art and not a science. Like this is hard to let go of because we were taught that if you did this, you got this. Yes. If you parent a certain way, if you, you know, some of you believe a certain thing, if you rise a certain way, getting a certain kind of education and, you know, whatever the things are in our, our white American Western construct, it's definitely a path of ascent mm-hmm. and away from problems and pain. Yes. And we're, we get to the entitlement is so clear. Like once we do that, yeah, we're, we're locked in. And I, yeah. I think that's. The reason I I feel so strongly about this thing about knowing, it's not wrong to know, to predict, to want to build your life according to choices, consequences, and in a trajectory that enhances your your life. That's nothing wrong with that. But we run into problems when we don't know what we're anchoring that into. And we're so demanding of knowing and predicting that we are completely dysregulated when we can't know something and we don't have any skills for that. So, but we're, we have a tendency to, instead of going, boy, I really don't know anything. And I need to kind of sit with myself and just be okay in this moment with not knowing, like with my head, not knowing there's lots of ways of knowing, but we're talking about the head knowing thing. But the problem is because, because we're so addicted to our way of knowing when we can't know or when we don't know, instead of learning the skill to be in not knowing, we fill it in. Yeah. We do this thing. It's a technical term that we use in psychology. It's called making shit up. <laughs> <laughs> and making that the thing that we know. Yeah. And this is an epidemic right oh now. God. It's an so epidemic. True. We make things up out of out of the clear blue sky. We envision a future that's going to be terrible, say, and we suffer now for it. And we don't even notice that it hasn't come to pass yet. You know, so we predict disaster. We run disaster drills or we we are in complete denial and we refuse to even get our head in the game at all because we can't process our not knowing so we pretend not to know mm-hmm. or we pretend we don't we don't try to know so this is a really interesting phenomenon to watch and um it's happening now all over the place we just fill in the gap our brain go- works overtime it fills in the gap by making shit up and we don't know the difference between when we're making shit up and what is real and what is true 
most of the time. Yeah. So how, how do we? <laughs> well, I think it's a hard it's a hard thing to learn. Um, personally, I learned it because I tried to know all the things and and I tried to analyze all the things and I tried to get to the bottom of all the things in my own personal life about 10, 12 years ago um, when I had a bit of a breakdown, let's just say. Um, and I realized that my my addiction to figuring stuff out and knowing all of the things was making me sick mm. because I have the kind of mind that can generate lots of theories at the same time and then dive into them at any moment of any time of any day and then go down to the bottom, which always leads to, yeah, it's because you suck mm -hmm. or yeah, it's because something really bad is going to happen. We're going to do a whole episode I, on need to. all roads lead to I suck or yes. what if. <laughs> but um, so I was, I exhausted myself so badly that I was like, I can't, I can't think it's not helping me. Like it's, it's like trying to solve a problem with, with a, a tool that's broken. It just uh, didn't work for me. So, so I started practicing stuff instead. And I, I just was like, I don't know. Knowing is driving me crazy. I'm making all kinds of shit up and I'm exhausted by it. So what else is there? Mm. And, and so I started kind of with a possibility that maybe letting go of knowing or kind of breaking my addiction to knowing there might be something after that. The, the nice thing about breakdowns is that once you break, like you're all the way broken down, it's like, well, now what? Yeah. It kind of clears the deck for if you're paying attention for, or if you're tired enough, or if you're broken enough, um, it, it um, opens up space for, well, I'm still here. So what do I do now? So that is really true. Just thinking about my mother-in-law and it, you know, the difference with Jared, I mean, it's a life trauma. Life trauma. Yes. So it's a traumatic event, you know, all that, that will not just be, you cannot tie it up. I can gain coping um, skills that are healthy. I can continue to process trauma. I can, you know, continue to um, honor the grief and integrate the grief, but it's that it's like fits in a different category, but I have to say with my mother-in-law, um, I, there is a piece that somehow it's like we just accepted it instead of resisted it yeah and there was this piece of um I was thinking about this and we're going to do something on death too because it's just like people die so this this sort of outrage at a death mm -hmm. kind of fits in this conversation yes. a little bit yes, because so it's too. sort of like it all has to always be on my terms like then I'm okay when things are on my terms and and so the reality is, is none of us know the time the day that that something we next thing weird is going to happen yeah and so there was a weird I don't know if some is just we're tired and it helped but I don't think so I felt it somewhere deeper yeah. on honoring of this is what happens. And yes, the Escobar family has suffered a lot. So I think a lot of people are like, really, you guys have to do one more thing? But the answer is, yeah, there's a lot of people doing multiple things. Yeah. 
And because that's the human experience and we're not exempt. I would do anything to change, you know, the reality of losing my kid. I do anything, literally anything, um, but I can't. And so now am I going to do every time another thing happens? Well, that's not fair. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, really it's a setup. And this happens to, I think, a lot of people once we have these really big things, like we can't do something else, but we're going to have to do something else because we don't know what the future is going to bring. And we can't know, but we think we can know. So um, existentialists call that the illusion of control. Mm. And we have to have certain illusions all the time or else we wouldn't function probably. But when it comes to these big things in and needing to be able to adjust to big things that happen, we have to let go of the illusion of control and have the hope that if you can do that, and that's no small task, like you can't just click your fingers, but something usually will click into place after a while if you're paying attention and you're earnestly trying to you know, do it in a healthy way, something will help you mm. do that. And, um, and then it's like you, you look for um, the unseen thing that will help you, but you can't foresee it because you have to, it, something has to be let go of before you can see what's on the other side. It's, you know, it's like crossing a threshold or giving up the need for control or the need to understand. Then eventually little lights will come to you and you develop the senses and the other ways of being with yourself or other ways of knowing with yourself to almost like surf the wave of unknowing. Mm. And I think that other religions or other practices do that much better. Like for 2,500 years, the Buddhists have learned how to let go, how to let go, how to let Mm -hmm. go. Um, and we bristle at that because we don't like, oh, nothing, you know, mm-hmm. we just want to hold it all. But what you were saying about, um, about getting past the, the construct of this is not okay. And we can't, we have to resist this getting past that and the accept acceptance that comes in those moments just opens up a whole new world. I mean, you're still grieving. Hmm. There's still loss that happens, but there's a, a settledness that can happen in your body when you can stop resisting based on constructs that you have that are just illusions of control and have the courage to just, just, just go, okay, that's control. Okay. I, I thought this, this, and this should have happened and it's not. So I'm going to drive down into my body. I'm going to sit there and I'm going <laughs> to see what comes up with the sun. I, you know, there's no magic formula. There's no way to do it. Exactly. Except, I mean, some people will say either you grow that way, either through um, tragedy or loss or suffering or through meditation mm-hmm. and really be learning the skill of being with yourself in such a way that you can step out of these constructs and um, be open to the the bliss bliss. Why did I say that? Not bliss. bliss. <laughs> it's not bliss. The the peace. Yes, a deep peace of 
acceptance. Yeah. And so it's a different thing for different people. But for me, just recently with all of this, it was that film. Mm. It was that film, Don't Look Up. Yeah. When I saw Jennifer Lawrence on TV <laughs> going, we're all going to die. Aren't you paying attention? To-? I was like, it was like a watershed moment for yeah. me. I, I think I was holding that outrage for, for five years, six years. Like, I wanted to scream it almost every day. The house is on fire. I remember saying that many times in School of Life and different places. The house is on fire and and you're doing what again? (laughs) And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And so there was something about having that validated or shown in front of me like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, thank Mm -hmm. you. I could feel something shift, maybe not for all time, but it's, it's like for me, one of the ways I cope is sort of like, yeah, could be that we're all dying. We're killing the planet. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to take responsibility. We can't work together politically. The the systems aren't in place for us to succeed at averting disaster. So, you know, the human race had a good run. Maybe we're done. That's like, <laughs> it's one of my coping skills, but it helps me kind of go, if those things are true, then how do I live? Mm-hmm. How do I live? And mm-hmm. how do I settle? And instead of like a false hope instead of a false hope and everything yeah, yeah kind of and we have together. 25,000 superhero movies with the same story you know the the earth is threatened but a hero comes to save yeah. us in the nick of time that's our myth that's our that's mm-hmm. our you know the best we got I think for me the thing that is super helps me are the trees you know there's something and I I, I think there's a lot we can learn <laughs> from what they withstand and how they approach things and their anchoring. And, you know, that's been a big uh, metaphor for me, super uh, sustaining practice, but it really, there is something so strong about it. Like that rootedness that that's not that wavering and flying all over the place all the time, but being really anchored in a deeper story. And one is that as humans, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. And um, and really being nourished in that and having that be a starting place instead of, you know, something we're trying to like grasp all the time and um, wrestle with. So, um, yeah, we don't know shit. We don't know shit. And I love what you said. We need to break up with knowing. Break up with knowing. <laughs> Such a good phrase. With the demand to know it all. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we always end our episodes just kind of with the last um, thought on our soul, you know, kind of that deeper thing, and then practice some things that we can actually do to um, last. And so last thoughts on the soul? Well, my the thing that helped me was a little bit of a possibility that I don't have to cling to my knowing. That there, there are parts of me that come alive after I let go of my addiction to knowing. And that possibility of learning the skill, of, of learning the skills of letting go, and the skills of being present with myself, and the skills of um, opening to what is, what is, and being able to embrace what is instead of like resist and run away and shut down and fret and blame and all of those other things that, that there, it's not the end of the world. If you break up mm-hmm. and your soul can arise in those moments and be, be there with you and for you. And 
That's it. I love it. I love it. It's really good. Um, and everything all ties together. I was thinking on the practice side, um, that quote by Soren Kierkegaard, and I think it's in Dune also, um, that um, life is not a problem to be solved, but a reality to be experienced. And so I kind of think a practice is one meditating on that. How often like, am I trying to solve the problem? Um, instead of just experiencing the reality of what's in front of us. Um, but I also think tangibly, okay, when you were talking, is um, t- taking um, when blank and if blank out of our vocabulary. <laughs> yeah. This might help when blank. whatever the conditions are or if whatever happens, you know, just like beginning to take those out of our vocabulary as building something with it. Yeah. So like me, when I turn the corner, when I'm done with this project, when, you know, and just taking, you know, if this comes into place, if I get this thing, you know, whatever, that it's like gonna shift everything, but just maybe practice removing those from our vocabulary or noticing when they come, just there you are, kind of contemplative prayer passing it on. Yeah. There you are. Yeah. Oh, there oh. you are again. Hello. Oh, my need to know, you yeah. know, and pass it on. So that's what we've got. Yeah, that's good. Well, can I just add one more yeah. thing? Because when you're talking about the trees, I just went, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do a med- tree meditation. I'm going to just hang out with some trees and I'm going to, you know, notice what they do, what they don't do. They can't move. They can't fix. They can't do anything, but they endure. They live. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm taking the tree meditation. No, do and you, with me. And you know what? Let it speak to you. This has been a big part of my therapy. Just let it talk. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next time. Escobar and Phyllis Mathis write, speak, pastor, and counsel, and are dedicated to creating spaces that foster healing and change. You can learn more at kathyescobar.com and phyllismathis.com. Keep listening to your soul and keep practicing.